Hello, I'm Philip. And I'm Phoebe. Welcome to Dad. And Daughter Do Death. Here we are then, Phoebe, episode four. Episode four, still going strong. (laughs) Yes. Uh, I feel like our setups are getting more and more elaborate every week to uh, try and get the optimum sound quality for the (laughs) podcast. I think we're doing pretty well now. uh, (laughs) Yeah. It's pretty good. Have we had many comments in the last couple of weeks? Anything on our Instagram page, which is Dad and Daughter Do Death? Uh, no, not really. Um, some likes, some follows. Um, we've had some really nice feedback from a couple of people. Um, Emily and Tom, some really nice feedback from them. So thank you. Hi, guys. I uh, hope you're still listening. Episode four. Um, <laughs> and we've had some good reviews on Apple, which is good. So it's like some ratings, some like five star ratings. So That's very good. I mean, one from me. Um, I think one might be from you, but there's some others on there that aren't from us. So <laughs> that's good. Um, yeah, always good yeah. to get feedback. Yeah, definitely. So leave us a comment or put something on our Instagram page again, which is Dad and Daughter Do Death. Yes. And it'd be, uh, be good to hear from you. Yeah. I don't think we're quite ready to set up a Patreon, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> maybe steps. <laughs> there we go. So, yeah. uh, so just a bit of a follow-up from uh, episode three when we were talking about when the guillotine was last used in in France, which uh, was surprising that it was in 1977, I think it was, wasn't it? And uh, the death penalty in France was abolished in 1982. Yeah, in the UK, the last hanging took place, or hangings, took place in... 1964, when Peter Anthony Allen was hanged in in Liverpool at Walton Prison in Liverpool, and Gwyn Owen Evans at Strangeways Prison in Manchester for the same murder that they were both involved in. Oh, okay. So that was the last uh, time executions were carried out in the UK, and then the death penalty was abolished in 1969 in the UK. Wow. That's still within your lifetime, isn't it? Still within my lifetime, yeah. It's pretty crazy. I don't think it was used particularly frequently, but um, no, was, <laughs> yeah, it was still there. So interesting. There we go. Yeah. Um, so shall we? Shall we dive straight in? Yeah. What have you got for me tonight, Phoebe? I'm so, looking forward to this. Tonight, <laughs> this has been very suspenseful this week. <laughs> uh, but tonight, I'm going to tell you about the Order of the Solar Temple, or the Ordre du Temple Solaire, um, which is was a french cult basically so staying in france but i thought something a little bit different with a cult um don't worry there's still plenty of um gore involved um so yeah have you heard of the um order of the solar temple no i don't think i have no i when i kind of looked into it i couldn't believe that i hadn't heard of them and that i didn't know what they did because it's um pretty bonkers actually so yeah we, we seem to be learning a lot about f- French crime, <laughs> things I've never heard of like a month ago, and now we've discovered yeah, yeah quite a few uh, horrible murders and, and things that have been happening there. Yeah, and I, I wasn't deliberately looking at French stuff, but I was listening to this other podcast, Promised Land, um, which is a new one that's come out about Jim Jones and um, the Jonestown Massacre, um, which I'll talk a little bit about in a bit. Um, and... I was thinking about cults and I was thinking, you don't, you know, all these cults seem to be American. You don't really hear about um, 
like European cults very often and I was thinking about um the cult series of American Horror Story and stuff like that and I was thinking actually cults are pretty fascinating and then I found this story which um is is definitely an interesting one so um I thought it would be a good good one to talk about brilliant yeah um cool I'm very eager to hear it <laughs> there we go so um the uh, Order of the Soda Temple was established in 1984 by Joe DeMambro and Luc Jure. Um, so Joe DeMambro was born in southern France in 1924. Um, he dropped out of school when he was quite young and then he learned about clock making and jewelry making and then he ran his own business doing that. Um, around when he was quite young, he started becoming really attracted to occultism. And in January 1956, he joined the ancient and mystical order of the Rosicrucius, uh, which is an American Rosicrucian group, uh, which okay. basically is something to do with the Templars. Um, they kind of follow the same sort of ideas and beliefs of that. Is this a bit like the Illuminati? Yeah, it's similar, I think. <laughs> um, so in the 60s, he became the head of... Um, AMORC for short. <laughs> um, actually, in Nîmes, um, it was he was the head of the lodge in Nîmes, which is interesting because that's where um, Richard, my husband, spent a year at university. Got to know the city very, very, very well. Definitely worth a visit. Um, and he was a member there until 1969. And um, in 1970, he gave up his um, clock and jewelry making business to become a full time lecturer in um, occultism and the new age movement. So he was really passionate about the new age movement, which is a movement that spread through the occult um, and the religious communities in the seventies and eighties. And it looked to a new age of love and light and it offered a kind of taste of the coming era through um, personal transformation and healing. <laughs> um, so the, the, their strongest supporters were followers of modern esotericism, um, which was a religious perspective that's based on the acquisition of mystical knowledge. Um, and it's actually something that's been quite popular since the second century. Um, so it's been going on for a long time, but it was just a bit of a reinvigoration of it. Really heavily linked to things like um, Freemasonry, Freemasonry, Theosophy and ritual magic. Mm -hmm. um, it, okay. The New Age movement went on to be one of the most significant religious phenomena of the 20th century. Um, and it improved the image of those kind of older kind of mystical religious groups um, and they're still followed by the new age community now um, and more than a fifth of the adults in the west said they believe in astrology which is something that the kind of new age followers look to um, and around three to five million americans identified themselves as being new agers during this time so that seems like quite a lot of people yeah, it does. <laughs> to be involved in this um, yeah. And it's still around, sort of. Um, it's not really as followed as much, but it's still something that, that's talked about. Um, there's bookstores and magazines and things like that around the, the, the New Age. Is astrology, astrology a cult? I don't think so. It's just a phenomenon. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, a, it's just <laughs> something that people believe in, isn't it? I think, or look to. It's more, it kind of fits into that... Um, like fortune telling tarot yeah yeah, yeah. that side of thing doesn't it but i think superstition almost <laughs> yeah and i guess quite a lot of the new age stuff sounds quite superstitious right. right i kind of look at stuff um a lot of it's quite heavily linked to bits of kind of christianity as well yes. um which is obviously a, a big thing for like the templars and and people like that 
so yes that's new age which is obviously this this movement that this kind of sits within um so in 1973 uh, joe demambro founded the center for the preparation of the new age um, and three years later, uh, La Pyramids in Geneva, in Switzerland, he moved out of France. Um, that went on to become the Golden Way Foundation. And during this time, he started to paint himself as a representative of the Great White Brotherhood, which is a group of um, beings that many believed uh, from the New Age cult <laughs> beliefs um, that they were people who were more superior than other people and they were there to guide the human race. Um, and in this time, he claimed to be the incarnation of several notable ancient figures, including Moses um, and the Pharaoh Akhenaten. So okay. take from that what you will. <laughs> Around the same time, um, there was a guy called Luc Jurey. Um, he was born on the 18th of October 1947, um, which is also Zac Efron's birthday. Um, and he was born <laughs> in the Belgian Congo in Africa. Um, his parents moved him back to Brussels when he was a little bit older. And he went to the university in Brussels and got a medical degree. Um, he was, uh, while he was at university, he joined the Walloon Communist Youth, um, which resulted in police putting him under surveillance. Um, and he graduated in 1974. And then in 1976, he joined the Belgian army and became a paratrooper. Um, I'm not sure doing what in 1976. Okay. <laughs> um, following that, maybe Vietnam? Mm, it's probably a tad too late for Vietnam. Okay, there we go. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, maybe just... Um... Throwing himself out of planes. Well, yeah. Just... <laughs> for fun. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yes. So um, after his time in the army, he started studying homeopathy and he qualified as a homeopathic practitioner. Um, and he's travelled really widely around the world, studying loads of types of alternative and spiritual healing. He spent quite a lot of time in the East, um, like the Philippines, Malaysia, that sort of area, kind of learning about their spiritual practices. Um, and then in the early 1980s, he settled in Anmas in France, which wasn't far from the Swiss border. And he began to practice homeopathy there. He continued to lecture widely on holistic health and the paranormal and invited people who um, were interested in him to the Atlanta Club. So in the early 1980s, uh, Joe DeMambo, a.k.a. Pharaoh Arkenaten, um, invited Luke because uh, he'd heard of, of the sort of stuff that he was talking about and his interests and his spiritual beliefs. Um, and he invited him to come to a lecture for his Golden Way group um and they realized that they shared loads of mutual beliefs they really believed in the same sort of things they had loads of things in common um so then together they decided then in 1984 to found the um order of the solar temple um in which they blended kind of traditional occultism um and that kind of ritualistic initiating type of cult stuff with um the belief in the coming new age so between them, um, Joe DeMambo tended to do the kind of back work. So decided what the rituals were going to be and how things were going to look. Um, and Luke, because he was so um, personable, he went around the world recruiting people to join their cult. Um, but they weren't just kind of, you know, 
ne'er-do-wells or young girls like with the Mansons. The people who joined um, the cult were people like doctors, lawyers, mayors, business people, really intelligent people <laughs> who held like statuses. They were all coming to join this, this cult. Um, wow. There was some Olympic athletes. Um, and there's also a rumour that Grace Kelly was part of one of the earlier incarnations. Um, and that actually that's contributed towards her death in the car crash because when she died her car was found in the garden of one of the um members of the order of the Stone temple so a bit of a conspiracy theory. yeah yeah so these these people that they were recruiting were they coming from all around the world all around the world mostly france switzerland and canada um okay. but the majority of people were kind of yeah french speaking world french speaking <laughs> world yeah mostly um yeah so their beliefs were really diverse um some thought that it was um you know just dogma and that they just made it up um but then other things kind of came from environmental influences so um during a lecture in 1987, Luc Jure presented the, what the beliefs were of the cult. So he said that their aims and their beliefs were to um, re-establish the correct notions of authority and power in the world, um, affirm the primacy of the spiritual over the temporal, um, to give back to man the consciousness of his dignity, uh, to help humanity through its transition. Okay. There's a lot of talk around transition. Okay. Participate in the assumption of the earth in its three planes, body, soul, and spirit. Work towards the union of the churches and to work towards the convergence of Christianity and Islam and to prepare for the return of Christ in solar glory. They had, they had other beliefs as a group um, with things like survival, the apocalypse, the environment, um, and the specific nature of the mission in the earth. And I think like most cults, um, they were kind of an end of time sort of group. And mm -hmm. they were forecasting the end of times was coming, <laughs> um, yeah. which seems like a bit of a silly thing to do, because if the world doesn't end, all of a sudden you've got a lot of people really doubting in the sort of things that you're peddling. So, yeah, interesting. Between 1984 and 1990, three structures of the Order of the Solar Temple um, were created. Um, so the first structure was the Amanta Club and the goal of this club was to um, disseminate the group's philosophy and to bring together a spiritual elite in order to achieve a higher state of consciousness. So the club um, went around the world offering lectures um, and a lot of people went to these lectures but actually okay. very few people joined the group um, or were mm. kind of selected to be part of this elite. Um, the second structure was the Arcadia Club um, so after they'd kind of got a few people in the Amanta Club, um, certain people were invited to join the Arcadia Club. And the objective, objective of this club was to provide members with more advanced knowledge um, that would enable them to move towards a higher consciousness. Um, and then the third structure was the International Knighthood Organization. Um, so access to this level was even more restricted and its members had access to special publications <laughs> um, and to initiation <laughs> which were exclusive to this structure. Um, okay. All with the idea that basically if people had more knowledge, they were more likely to be selected to go on to the next world when this time came. So it was in there their best interest to kind of move up the clubs um so that they would be selected to come back in the in in the new world basically and did uh, did they have to pay to be in these uh, 
Yes. Different so we'll talk a little. Yeah. So yeah. the you did have to pay to be part of the cult. Um, right. Okay. Basically, it was a kind of you pay us money and we'll keep you safe from the apocalypse. Um, that was a lot of kind of their recruitment tactic. I think. Um, we'll talk a little about a bit about money in a little bit. Okay. Um, but yeah, most of it was kind of yeah, pay to come and get involved. <laughs> So from 1984 to 1990, the numbers in the structures grew. Um, and in 1989, there was the most members, uh, a whopping great 442 people. <laughs> so it wasn't a particularly big cult. Not huge. Um, all their kind of efforts and stuff like that. But um, some figures were saying that they made about $9 million, um, I think it was, from these people. So there were some hefty sums of money changing. <laughs> there were, yeah. <laughs> you can see that now. So um, Demambo presented himself to all of the members as a representative of higher beings and the receiver and transmitter of divine messages, which he would receive during group ceremonies. Um, and then during this period, they had this idea to um, build health centres in Europe and Canada, which and they got, got people to give them even more money so that they could build these health centres. So in this time, Joe DeMambro fathered a daughter called Emmanuel, who he thought was a new age being and either a prophet or Christ reincarnate. Obviously. Obviously, which is really convenient that he just happened to have these beliefs and he just happened to have um, the Christ reincarnate as well, which is amazing, isn't it? And he also had a son called Eli, um, who... I don't think he thought he was um, Christ, but maybe some sort of prophet. He thought he was definitely some sort of higher being. I mean, we all think that about our children, don't we? But, uh... mm. <laughs> um, so in the early 1990s, some members started to question DeMambro's authority and his mystical powers. Um, DeMambro's own son, Eli, questioned the visions and messages that his father claimed to receive from his master's. Oh, we do. Um, and Eli discovered that the spiritual visions that were witnessed by several members were staged by his father <laughs> and that the divine beings and messages received were actually produced by special effects and holograms. Oh. Um, and there's, I don't think you would remember this, but there's an episode of Sabrina the Teenage Witch when she goes to college and Miles, her roommate, he joins a cult um, and it's and she's trying to say to him, like, and he says, oh, this guy's magic. And she's like, well, he's not. Um, and he's doing all these things with, like, holograms and lights and smoke. Uh, okay. and, stuff like that. and apparently that's based on this. So they've all got right, okay. all that sort of stuff. So apparently that's based on this. <laughs> Which, yeah, love Sabrina. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so Eli decides to share his discovery with other members of the group. Yes. So this denunciation prompted the departure of about 15 people, so not that many, um, seeing as, as his own son had said, it's all fake. Um, a few people left, but a lot of people said that um, Eli was lying and they continued to believe um, that the manifestations of the spiritual masters were real. So they were really, really, really brainwashed by this point, I think. Yeah. Um, but some people also started to question um, DeMambro's change in lifestyle and behaviour. Um, because one of the things, as is very typical with cults, is that the members have to live really humbly, especially when they're in those kind of lower down tiers. Um, but he lived, you know, a really extravagant lifestyle. He travelled first class. He had loads of luxurious homes, um, and he didn't take part in the kind of daily tasks that everyone had to take part in. Right. 
Um, some people yes. <laughs> said that um, his attitude changed. So he's usually been, you know, really tolerant and friendly and open to criticism. Um, all of a sudden, he became really authoritarian and demanding. Um, he wanted unconditional obedience, um, and he was really suspicious of any competitors, um, any members that he felt were trying to kind of divide them. Um, he would kind of get rid of. And people were also really critical of the fact that even though they'd started to hand over all this money, these health centres had never been opened, they'd never been built. Oh. <laughs> mm. Um, so right. in the early 90s, these criticisms led to a drop in membership and financial contributions and their revenue dropped from like half a million Swiss francs in 1991 to only 89,000 in 1993. So things okay. have really started to kind of plateau out from their kind of heady heights at the end of the 80s when they're bringing in loads of money and then very quickly they weren't really bringing it in very much at all. Yeah, it sounds a bit of a scam. Yeah, I'd say so. Um, <laughs> so an internal report um, in one of the group's computers showed that DeMambro's followers had doubts in him, still wanted to maintain their ties with the group and its members, I think kind of like just in case it was real. <laughs> um, and they still wanted to believe in it, but they didn't want to be affiliated with him. So in um, 1994, two members of the order wrote a letter denouncing his behaviour. One of these people was Tony Dutois. Um, among other things, I criticised him for using video material to persuade members of his mystical powers. Um, for them, they were saying that he was being fraudulent, that just destroyed the fraternity that had been built, the disappearances of the money, the holograms. It had all destroyed their confidence in the group, along with some of Luke's behaviour, which was really weird, um, because he started to say that um, before they did rituals or before they did sessions Luke needed to have sex with one of the women members to give him the powers that he needed to do it so it was just starting to get <laughs> a little bit dodgy lots of cracks were appearing uh yeah mm. so um funnily enough around this time um Luke and Joe decided that Tony who'd written this letter that his three-month-old son was actually the antichrist and that um, it was the apocalypse right now. So as soon as people started to say, there's something wrong here, we don't believe in what's going on, we think that there could be some issues here, um, they said that, oh yeah, no, um, it's the apocalypse right now. So um, we've all got to get ready to um, transition to a new life. So what comes next is three transits. Okay. So, the first one takes place in Quebec on the first of October, on the fourth of October, sorry, 1994. Um, so, the morning of the fourth of October, the police um, in Morin Heights in Quebec arrived at the scene of a fire. There were two charred bodies, which is identified as Colette Rasha and Jerry Genou, um, were found in a cottage. And then two days later, once they'd finally put the fire out, the bodies of two adults and their baby were found in a closet in the same cottage. So autopsies oh. that were performed on the bodies confirmed that the victims had been murdered on the 30th of September, 1994. And the police investigated, um, the investigation revealed that the killers had fled to Switzerland following the murders. The other victims were identified as Tony Dutois, his oh. wife, Suzanne, and their young son, Christopher, who had been identified as the Antichrist by Joe DiMambro. And several reports state that Christopher had actually been stabbed through the heart with a stake multiple times um, because he was apparently the Antichrist. 
So this is the f- transit number one. Transit number one. In Quebec. In Quebec, yes. And and how many bodies? Uh, five in total. Wow. Yeah. So later on, the same day, Demambro and 12 of his followers performed, followers performed a ritual last supper. And then apparent mass suicides and murders were conducted in Sherry and Salvan. I might be saying that wrong. Um, in Western Switzerland. So they've moved out of, <laughs> of Quebec now. Um, so 15 Inner Circle members committed suicide with poison. 30 were killed by bullets or smothering and eight others were killed by other means. In Switzerland, many of the victims were found in a secret underground chapel that were lined with mirrors and other items of like Templar symbolism. A lot of um, reports say that they were found in a kind of, they were, the bodies were laid out in like a star shape or a kind oh, of yeah. star shape. Wow. Um, the bodies were dressed in the order's robes um, and they were, oh yeah, they were in a circle feet together their heads outward most with plastic bags tied over their heads and they'd each been shot in the head and they found 65 bullets in the autopsies so um i'm going to go out on a limb and say not all of these were suicides (laughs) um the plastic bags may have been a symbol of the ecological disaster that was going to befall the human race after the order the solar temple members moved on to sirius basically so when they left to go to sirius the world was going to go to pieces (laughs) Um, right and it's possible that these bags were used as part of other rituals and that members would have voluntarily worn them without being placed under duress. So it could have just been a thing that as part of their general practices, they just wore plastic bags on their heads, as you do. Um, there was also evidence that many of the victims in Switzerland were drugged before they were shot um, or that they'd like drank something, which is really reminiscent of um, Jim Jones and his jonestown massacre where nearly a thousand people died after drinking the spiked kool-aid um which i think is a fascinating fascinating story about how that cult kind of came out but not a european one so not one for us (laughs) (laughs) um and yeah so um other victims are found in three ski chalets and there were several dead children lying together the tragedy was discovered when officers rushed to the sites to fight the fires because they'd lit fires um kind of the last person to kill themselves had lit a fire at the end and they'd gone to fight all these fires and they realized that actually these were all um connected because they were all done by remote control devices Um, and letters have been left by the believers saying that they believe they were leaving to escape the hypocrisies and the oppression of this world um and so in these people that were found dead there was a mayor a journalist a civil servant a sales manager so as i was saying before you know a lot of of intelligent people um, So th- this is all on the same day this is all on the same day 4th of october 1994 yeah <laughs> five in quebec yeah and how many in well quite a lot dozens and dozens about in 43 in switzerland yeah wow um and so when they kind of looked into some records they realized that members had person that lots and lots of members had personally donated over a million dollars each to demembro <laughs> so these were rich people who were buying themselves into this cult to go to a better world and they basically just got conned into committing suicide 
So um, another attempted mass suicide of Romanian members was stopped in the late 90s. Um, and all the suicide murders and attempts occurred around dates of equinoxes and solstices, um, which was kind of related to when they, their beliefs and when they thought they could kind of get to these new planets. Okay. So that was the first transit. That's when kind of the first group moved on to their new life. Yeah. However you want to uh, refer to that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So 14 months later, so December, uh, from the December the 15th to the 16th in 1995, 16 people uh, were set on fire in a clearing in Vercors in France. Um, a police investigation revealed that 14 out of the 16 had taken sedatives and then were shot twice. So again, probably not suicide if they were shot twice. Um, two of the members have been assigned the job of killing the 14 others and they sprayed their bodies with an accelerant to burn them and then they sprayed themselves on fire and set themselves on fire as they um, shot themselves in the head. Um, so no, that's, that's, that's what happened, is it? Yeah, apparently. <laughs> so um, after um, the 1994 transit, um, they realised that a lot of the members were still carrying on meeting and were still kind of sharing these beliefs and looking for this next opportunity to transit. Um, and a lot of them actually regretted that they hadn't been part of the first transit. So um, they were they were keen to go when this next opportunity came. Um, and some of them had been outraged by the circumstances surrounding the first transit, but then actually they decided that what um, Luke and Joe had asked people to do in the first round was actually really positive um, and that members had sacrificed themselves in order to save the world and to pave the way for future transits. Um, and wow. some of the remaining members decided to use the same method methods for their own passage to the new world. So didn't take part in kind of mass suicide but went on to kind of kill themselves to take themselves to the new world when they could. And then two years later in March, well, 18 months later in March, 1997, um, back in Quebec, five people, four original um, Order of the Solar Temple followers um, and the parent of one of the members committed suicide and police discovered a letter explaining that they'd been taking this action to ensure a path to the new world again. Um, and then they found their teenage children who were heavily drugged but alive in their shed so they'd not taken them with them which was weird oh. um so luke and that was that was officially the kind of last transit in 1997 but just just five yeah just five people then in yeah the last transit right. so there's a lot of people that didn't transit or transition um okay. so there's a lot of questions around where are they now? Do they still exist? Do they still meet? Do they still share the beliefs? Um, obviously, it's top secret, so we'll never know. Um, but Luke Jure and Joe DeMumbro actually were part of that very first transit. Um, and they were kind of in charge of the transit in Switzerland. Um, so they were part of the people who were found in that circle in the chapel. Um, most likely, they did some of the, the killing, but they took part in that mass murder, that very first mass murder suicide that took place in Switzerland, leaving behind all the mess that they did behind it. Okay, so they were part of that first transit. They were part of that very first transit, yeah. The 43 or whatever. But... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that is the story of the Order of the Solar Temple. Wow. So a lot of dead people, a lot of. Um, money a lot yeah. of corruption um 
and yeah just a where's that movie. oh i wonder where that money is now i have absolutely no idea <laughs> Yeah. I why well, wouldn't you say they've got those health centres? Yeah, exactly. I, they probably spent it on stuff. Um, bullets, <laughs> bullets. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, sedatives, <laughs> robes. Um, but yeah, that's that's amazing. Yeah. So nobody was ever brought to justice because they were already yeah. dead. Already dead, and no kind of. As far as I can, I can see, there were no kind of criminal proceedings taken out against any of the other members of the cults, um, or anything like that. And I think it was kind of it just kind of drifted into nothingness, really, yeah. after the kind of first couple of things. But apparently, there are still some people who believe in it today who still kind of follow some of the teachings and things like that. Um, mostly still in, in France, I think, um, and, a, and a bit in Canada. But yeah. I'll have to Google it. Order of the Solar Temple. There is so much out there about it. There's books and books <laughs> and books. And when I picked it as a thing to do, I thought, oh, this would be good. And then I kind of got really sucked into <laughs> the amount of information there is about it. Their symbol looks a little bit like the Swiss flag. Yeah, so like the red, red cross. Red cross on a square yeah. background. The thing that blew my mind most of all about it is that it happened so recently. Yeah. It was like in the 90s, which really wasn't that long ago. It wasn't like, I think when you think of cults, you think of like the 70s, don't you? And, and that sort of time. Um, but the fact that it happened so recently, I think was um, crazy. Yeah, I don't think we'll ever understand cults. <laughs> what What yeah. is it that drives people to those extremes? I mean, I yeah. suppose you could perhaps suggest that all religions are perhaps a cult of one sort or another. That oh. is. Um, or a belief system of one sort or another. Definitely, I think um, when you get um, when you get into kind of money <laughs> and sharing money and things like that, it gets a bit um, extreme, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Wow. Um, I one thing I'm not entirely sure is whether cults are actually legal or not. Um, and I think that some cults are, but some are illegal i think definitely in america if they kind of go against any of the amendments or the kind of constitutional rights and they would be seen to be illegal um and i think maybe in england they are illegal but i'm not sure hmm what defines a cult so the definition of a cult is officially a system of religious veneration and devotion directed towards a particular figure or object right yeah okay so yeah the difference between a cult and a religion cult is applied to a social movement apparently rather more than just a religion that's interesting right yeah a social movement yeah i think along with religion rather than just being practicing beliefs if that makes sense yeah yeah but wow. yeah okay fascinating i think like how people get involved in stuff like that. Yeah, so someone had to clear up an awful lot of bodies. Yeah, yeah. And I think I think initially they didn't really realise that they were all linked together and it took a little while for them to realise that actually all of these things were part of the same transit, uh, <laughs> part of the same exercise to go to a better place or, or whatever. So, yeah. Okay. I guess the um, maybe the, the nearest thing to a cult that maybe exists today still um is potentially scientology if you look at that maybe nice. as a cult and i think some of the um 
yeah there's the Louis Theroux documentary isn't there about it which is fascinating if you've not seen that and around kind of how they do things for people and their beliefs and what you have to believe to be part of it and things like that so I think that Scientology is, is possibly seen as a bit of a cult now but um yeah not really something that we tend to get in England which is good I think <laughs> that okay. is the story of the uh, Order of the Sailor Temple and a bit of Brilliant. a cult <laughs> yeah well thank you Phoebe that that really was interesting I I'm surprised I can't remember anything like that because, relatively speaking, it wasn't that long ago. It's no. within your lifetime, yeah. most of it. <laughs> yeah. um, so I thought I'd have, yeah, I thought I might have remembered something about it, but I, nothing's springing to mind at the moment. It was you were too busy preparing for my fourth birthday party to well for the uh, big one, yeah, <laughs> to realise what was going on at this. <laughs> Yeah, um, that's true. <laughs> That'll be it. <laughs> That'll be it. But no, really interesting, fascinating stuff. Thank you. There you go. You're welcome. You. You're welcome. So I've got quite a gruesome one lined up. Amazing. For you next week. I'm excited. Um, Is it in France or have we moved out of France? It's not France. Cool. No, but somewhere else <laughs> in somewhere else in Europe next next week. But uh, yeah, it might not be a particularly long one. A bit gruesome. Cool. I'm excited. <laughs> bit of gore. A bit of gore, yeah. So, uh, so until then. Until then, have a good week. Join us again when Dad and daughter do death.